Content warning. This episode contains possession and body horror. Hey there, Kai here, the creator of Chain of Being. I just thought I'd drop in to say that the show has a Patreon now. Why the fuck would I give you money, I hear you ask? Well, besides directly contributing to the growth of the podcast, as well as paying for content you deem worth paying for, there are a series of rewards available to patrons. These are the three tiers. The £3 an episode tier, also known as the Immortals, where you get access to patron-exclusive content, a special role, and access to patron-only channels in the Discord, as well as your name in the credits. There's the £5 an episode tier, also known as the Scries and Mystics, where you get an extra special Discord role, exclusive patron voting power for polls that will be held on the Patreon in the future, and at some point, your name will be said on an episode, be it a character, a ship, or an announcement on the PA. In addition to this, you get everything else in the previous tier. Then there's the extra special £10 an episode tier, also known as the Divine. As well as everything already mentioned in the other tiers, you get an extra, extra special Discord role, and with that, access to a Divine-only Discord channel. In addition to all of that, you get to be in Chain of Being. Be it a grunt in the Viatorian military or an AI on a ship, your voice will feature in the podcast. The reason I'm doing per episode is that I don't really have a regular upload schedule. And with me possibly going to university soon, I likely won't be able to release episodes that frequently. Also, it just makes more sense to me that you'll be directly paying for the content you consume. And when I'm late on episodes and such, you won't be paying for content you're not getting. Anyway, think it over. And if you feel you value my content enough that you'd like to contribute, there's a link in the episode description. It was immediately unsettling. Ghost had woken up and felt a sense of unease in their stomach, but couldn't quite piece together what they were experiencing. It was only as they clunked down the hardwood stairs and persuaded the rehydration machine to actually work, they understood what was wrong. The sound of the waves had disappeared. Instead of the ordinary rush of waves flinging themselves upon the scattering of unmoving and unwavering rocks, there was a suffocating, and deafening silence. It created a pressure in their ears, which was worse than the static of thousands upon millions upon billions of water droplets falling. They had gotten used to that. They had accepted it as a daily occurrence, as anyone would do with monotony. They threw on their coat and swung open the lighthouse door. They could already feel the surface of their body begin to freeze. Ghost was six feet tall and fell into the third gender category of Malgaric. They had a great pair of glowing green eyes, and their body was crisscrossed with glowing lines of similar color and majestic patterns. Hovering above their head were decorations which adorned them, as was customary for the Malgaric. Around their head, silver horns hovered lightly above their temples and crescents followed their ears as they moved, bobbing up and down with each step. Their full name was Ghost of Sunken Dawn. However, they found that their life was made much easier if they introduced themselves simply as Ghost. Their full name was on their plaque, of course, hung up by their sheriff's certificate and above their medals in service to the army. Obviously, they were not pondering their family name as they were charging down the semi-frozen hill. Their mind was preoccupied with the momentous task of trying to comprehend the unfathomable physics-defying event that was taking place right in front of them. Stood close to the edge of the cliff, Puffer jacket zipped up to avoid the cold, 
ghost stared deeply into the still wave and slowly began to feel a haze creep into their mind. It towed the line between physical and mental sensation. The strangely familiar haze seeped across their whole body as they felt themselves caught in the grip of something far greater and more complex than they could ever hope to understand. And as the birds called and the wind blew, they felt a pulse travel from their stomach and ooze outwards to the rest of their body. A repeating pattern of four beats, and as the haze traveled outwards, ambling its way to their throat, the pulses evolved, becoming incrementally more word-like, mutating from its true form into a shape far more cohesive with the reality around it. And as the haze enveloped ghost completely, the pulses, now in the form of words, escaped their mouth and they spoke them out loud. Avig Nadal! And with that, Ghost was lost entirely. I stand and stare into the mirror, inspecting the scar on my abdomen, the diamond shape a lighter tone than the rest of my skin. I take a moment to stare at the other scars, all manner of bumps and shapes covering my body, never quite having healed properly. I follow the trail of past fights and battles, a history of my conflicts etched into my body. My gaze eventually lands on my eyes, run through with matching lines. I stare at myself. You're still human. I say, my warped voice and dark eyes tell a different story. All the arcanists and scientists of the galaxy cannot explain why I look like this. My immortality is a punishment for what I did in Eden, for learning what I did in Eden. Whatever that was. Perhaps my aberration is part of that punishment as well. You are more than Eden, I tell myself. That one I refuse to believe without any help. I head downstairs, and in the lift, an announcement pings overhead. Could Operative Adam Delta 5 please make his way to the Quartermaster? That's Adam Delta 5 to the Quartermaster. I go down an extra floor and enter the inventory. Rows and rows of shelves with all manner of equipment and supplies. There's a row of tills, each with a visored quartermaster behind it. Waiting for me is who I presume to be the captain of the ship. Before she can introduce herself, I interrupt her. I thought hospital ships didn't carry quartermasters. The captain, a Vietorian, looks me up and down. I'm Captain Anktaris. Nice to meet you. She says, annoyed but unsurprised. Recently, the council felt it necessary to... She pauses to search for the right word. Elevate certain facilities at risk to certain threats. This ship was in the way of something or other beyond my station, unfortunately. It's only been a few weeks, yet you've already built an inventory. And a fighter craft docking station in the hangar. What can I say? She smirks. We're Viatorians. We get things done. Careful, you'll start to sound like the Aristos' handlock, I say, half joking. She smiles tersely but says nothing and gestures to the quartermaster tills. The council have issued you a fighter craft and a spear. A spear? What is this, the second Dark Ages? It's a very nice spear. She reassures me. I look at her incredulously. But it's extendable. The fighter craft is so new it doesn't even have a name yet. The designation code is blank too. 
The chair, screens and most surfaces are still wrapped in plastic and it hasn't been changed from the standard issue council blue and grey. I look back at the minimal storage space behind me, a bed, a few shelves of supplies and, leaning against the wall, my new spear. I didn't want to admit it in front of the captain, but it is a nice spear. Fully extended, it reaches around 2 metres, but right now it's a nice manageable 70 centimetres. I name the ship, and the Ahediv makes its first space flight. so the lack of noise from the engine is a real surprise. The Ahedith was fitted with a WFC drive, so the journey should only take about an hour or two, which gives me some time to look at my mission brief. I find military procedures so tedious. All the needless jargon and detail only helps to confuse things. From what I could decipher, there was a recently established colony on a small planet, just big enough to be qualified as such, by the name of Dar Jameen. There wasn't a huge amount of space for the usual megacity to be constructed, due to most of the land being raised up to seven miles above sea level. So instead, most of the major settlements in the continent in question are towns with populations of around 30,000 each, each with their own sheriff, also known as an administrative fucking nightmare. What drew in my investigation here was the fact that the seven-mile-tall waves that battered the cliffs holding up the small towns of Darjameen had stopped. They had not frozen, but had simply paused. To add to this, there was a sheriff who was reported to be acting very strangely. An old insistorist who was living there said it was similar to demonic possession, but different somehow. Which sounds exactly like what I was looking for. The fact that he was still alive and hadn't died or even transformed like Ayak Tubukan had meant that he could be spoken to. And maybe, if I was lucky, he would speak back. Darjameen is so new that it doesn't even have an orbit-to-land transference station, or Ultras for short. So instead I just transfer my clearance codes and go to land on a small pad at the edge of town. As I fly over the vast ocean I stare into it, its stillness is unsettling and it amplifies the already quite strong anxiety I feel chasing after this thing. Standing at the edge of the landing pad is a Vint and a Malgaric, joint mayors of the town, the name of which I've forgotten. I take my spear and affix it to my hip. Welcome to Jalice, the Vint says, offering both of his hands. I take them and we bow together. He has to bow his long, spine neck quite a bit in order to match my level. I am Eichel, mayor of this small community. Joint mayor, the Malgaric reminds him, irritation apparent in his voice. I am inspiration besides death. However, for your ease of communication, you may refer to me as inspiration. In the dusk, his blue light is just starting to illuminate the black soil grass at his feet. I thank you both, I reply. Both mayors seem visibly uncomfortable speaking in human, however, I'm physically incapable of speaking in Malgaric and my vint is about 450 years outdated and I don't want to seem like a weirdo. They lead me through the town. The two mayors seem intent on outpacing each other, gradually getting faster and faster until I have to start jogging in order to keep up with the two who are considerably taller than me. The people seem understandably anxious. 
They were expecting a quiet life in the new colony, away from the overcrowded societies of their people. It's late in the day, so most people are resting or attending to prayers. Religion has no place in the Council of Nimenia. It's not actively discouraged, but provisions aren't really made to preserve or protect it either. It's one of the more major issues most species within the Council have. We reach the detainment building and pause outside. Eichel turns to me. I must warn you, the manifestation is quite... disturbing. I have not witnessed anything like this. Even in my military days. Inspiration chimes in. Eichel shoots him a look. Did you not identify my assessment to be adequate? Inspiration looks back at him, his expression unwavering. I have said my peace. As they argue, I look off to the edge of the island at an unmoving wave, still as a painting. We enter the dimly lit building and find ourselves in an oval-shaped room. The Vint draws a small tablet from within his robes and presses a few keys. The room elaborately rotates and shifts until we are face to face with the sheriff, separated only by glass. They sit on a curved bench, their legs crossed. I can only tell this because the green light that covers their body pulses and beats of four, providing more illumination by which to get a sense of the room. Why aren't they moving? I ask. They go to answer at the same time. It's well, uh... They stare at each other, and Eichel takes advantage of the pause to speak before inspiration can. We place them in a stasis field for their own wellness, you understand. Why is it so dark in here? Eichel and Inspiration turn to each other, a mild panic on their faces. Apologies, we misplaced our realization. Eichel pauses and translates in his head before trying again. We forgot the humans' light requirements. Allow me to attend to your needs. The few more key presses, the whole building lights up. With my newfound visibility, I see what Eichel meant by for their own health. Ghost's fingers are scratched and worn, and the entire back wall of the cell has been etched into with that symbol that has brought me so much dread. Surrounding it are adornments which trace around its edges, crisscrossing around each other, playing off of one another's curves and angles, all centred, but never interacting with that symbol in the middle. Narration and Inspiration Besides Death, played by David M. Sledge. Eichel, played by Eric Smith. Captain Anctares, played by Francis Gillard. An Announcement, played by George Pritchard. Adam Delta 5, Writing and Sound Design, all by Kai Gwilym Pritchard. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Chain of Being. Email us at chainofbeingofficial at gmail.com for inquiries and stuff. Cover art by Kai Gwilym Pritchard. Thanks for listening.